My name is Zunar J5-9 Doric 47. Get me the Pentagon. Red priority. You, you're a cat. He's the cat from outer space. You're serious? I'm serious. While you and I are talking this very minute, some slimy, green-headed, 12-legged creep could be crawling into the White House. You're trying to tell me that your little pussycat came from another planet, from another galaxy, in a spacecraft, and landed right here on Earth. We're up against genius. I gotta tell you something, pal. It's dumb. Very dumb. Ken Berry. McLean Stevenson. Now that's dumb. Holy cow. Sandy Duncan. It's a spacey comedy that'll boggle your mind. It is mind-boggling. The man who owns the secret of this device could control the universe. You are under arrest. And the pussycat, General. And the pussycat. He's got his paws on the power. The power that cat possesses is awesome. You betcha, Charlie. And if you know what's good for you, you'll land this thing and let Lucy Bellamy... Quiet. Okay. Who's flying that plane? Walt Disney Productions, the cat from outer space. I'm serious. Welcome, everyone, to a feline edition of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teets, and with me... Kyra Meowkins. Oh, God. It's going to be one of those nights, huh? No, I'm going to stop there. The movie did the rest of it for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So we are covering the 2017 Lion King, since that's a whole lot better movie than this one. Just bigger cats. Bigger cats that talked, that made better sense when they talked. Actually, the 19-whatever, 90 version of Lion King made better sense in this one. So, for the people at home listening along that actually did their homework, you know that we are talking about the June 9th, 1978. Don't know if it was a box office flop, success, whatever. The Cat from Outer Space, starring Ken Berry, Sandy Duncan, and Harry Morgan. And a whole lot of other people that should not have been associated with this movie. We have no box office figures after searching on Box Office Mojo, IMDb, Metacritic, and Wikipedia. So take it for what that means. I know it was out for more than a week. Unlike yeah. Candle Shoe. It wasn't a Candle Shoe situation, but for some reason they don't want us to know. Yes. It's the big cat conspiracy. <laughs> so, had you watched this one, or were you familiar with it? Um, I was familiar with it. I'm pretty sure that my dad like liked it or something, or watched it at some point during my childhood, because I knew about it. But if I had seen it before, I didn't remember anything. So, I kind of counted it as a first watch. Okay. Now, I knew about it. I may have watched bits and pieces of it because I really didn't remember that much about this movie. But, yeah, that's all I have to say about it. We'll be back next week with another new episode. <laughs> I, f 
have a feeling that like my dad probably liked it or wanted to watch it or have it on because of um oh the actor's name he was in mash mm-hmm. harry okay. morgan harry morgan that's right I, I was like leaning in that direction but i didn't feel confident and i should have just gone with it um so that's probably what my dad like his motivation for watching it because he wasn't an animal guy yeah. so he wouldn't have wanted to just watch a cat movie yeah all right so the synopsis which as always comes to us care of wikipedia goes a little something like this a ufo makes an emergency landing on earth and is taken into custody by the united states government the occupant of the flying saucer turns out to be a strange cat-like alien named Zunar J59 Doric 47. Since the mothership cannot send a rescue party before it leaves the solar system, the cat sets about investigating how to repair the ship itself. Using a special collar that amplifies telekinetic and telepathic abilities, he follows the military to ERL, which stands for the Energy Research Lab, where they hope to learn how the UFO's power source works. One of the lab's scientists, Frank Wilson, attracts his cat's attention when his theory on the power source, while ridiculed by the rest of the staff, is actually on the right track. The cat follows Frank to his office, where Frank nicknames him Jake. Another scientist, Liz Bartlett, storms into his office, upset at Frank's sense of humor in light of such important scientific discoveries. Frank is able to calm her down, mostly by introducing Jake and inviting her to dinner. After Liz leaves, Jake reveals his true nature to Frank, demonstrating his abilities and offering to exchange his advanced knowledge of energy for Frank's assistant. That night, the, the pair plan to break into the military base, ooh, excuse me, the military base where Jake's ship is being kept but must dodge Liz, who has arrived at their date with her own cat, Lucy Bell. Jake feigns being sick, allowing them to proceed to the base. At the base, Frank uses a backup collar to fly to the top of the ship and attach a diagnostic device. Jake learns that he needs an element that he calls Org-12. When Jake reveals the element's atomic weight, Frank realizes that Org-12 is elemental gold. Back at Frank's apartment, Frank tells Jake that the quantity of gold costing $120,000 will repair his ship. Norman Link, a colleague of Frank's, comes over to watch horse races and football games on which he has wagered money. Jake uses his powers to help Link's horse to win the race, prompting Jake and Frank to convince Link to help them by parlaying all of his bets to win the money. However, Jake gets knocked out by a well-meaning vet that was brought in by Liz because she thought Jake still was sick. Frank informs Liz of the situation, and the group head to the local pool hall where Link has placed his bets. Learning the last game in the parlay was lost and desperate to raise the money needed, they agree to a game of pool with a hustler named Sarah Sorda Slim. Frank's first attempt to use Jake's collar fails, but Jake regains consciousness in time to manipulate the final game and win the money needed to acquire the gold for his ship. However, an industrial spy named Stallwood, who works for a master criminal named Olympus, has learned of their, act their activities, as has the military. 
Frank and Jake manage to elude the military and the criminals, only to have Link, Lucy, Lucy Bell, and Liz captured by Olympus and his men. They plan to ransom them back for the collar, which forces Jake to send his ship back to the awaiting mothership and stay on Earth in order to help rescue his friends. Jake and Frank use a broken down biplane to rescue Liz and Lucy Bell from Olympus' Olympus's helicopter, which crashes. Olympus, Stallwood, and their men survive and are presumably arrested. In the final scene, Jake is allowed to stay on Earth as a representative of an off-world friendly power, with Jake applying for and being granted United States citizenship. The end. So since this was your first quote-unquote watch, what were your initial thoughts on it? Um, I really wanted to like it. Um, I think I didn't dislike it. I just didn't think it was great. Like, it was fine, but it, I guess it, I'm, I might even say it was good, but I don't think I'll watch it again. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I no. I won't watch it again. I mean, I think they could have made it into, like, an hour and a half movie very easily. There were some parts that seemed like was shoehorned in to give it more stuff than needed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and I almost forgot about Roddy McDowell, speaking of people that were in the movie that did not need to be. Oh, man. I, so, in the opening credits, I was thrilled to see his name. and Like, I was so excited. And then um, it turns out, and well, and then his face appears in, like, one of the early scenes. And I was like, there he is. There's my guy. There's Bullwhip Griffin. And then he was like... Not Bullwhip Griffin. He was like a goon for the big bad guy um, that we didn't meet until like halfway through the movie. And I was disappointed. But like, I mean, sure, if he's a villain, he can be a villain. Um, But it just, I don't know. It was just, it ended up being disappointing. And um, then I only wanted to, like, I think that's why I struggled with part of this movie is because it just made me want to watch Bullwhip Griffin. <laughs> that's not a bad thing because that's actually a western that you stayed awake for. Yes, I, well, and if anyone hasn't listened to that episode yet, go back. But spoiler alert, I loved that movie. So, this movie, I'm trying to figure out what the elevator pitch would have been for it because this movie came out right within a year of Return from Witch Mountain. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the alien spaceship, of course, with a title like Cat from Outer Space, you're knowing there's no shock and awe when the cat steps off of the spaceship. But I'm wondering if they were trying to pitch this as Return from Witch Mountain, but with the talking cat. Yeah. Meets 007, meets Sandy Duncan as a smart girl. I, I don't know why all three of those things needed to be in this movie. Yeah. So, was this part of the Witch Mountain universe? And the cat just had his own little spaceship? I, I think, like, he says to uh, Frank that um, their species 
is far more advanced and like they didn't need to evolve past cat form because mm-hmm. uh, they're just so smart they figured out how to do other things so I guess the argument could be made but I felt like it was kind of its own thing but I will say it seems like especially because like we like Disney well Disney wasn't involved with Star Wars in the 70s yet but like Star Wars was like so big mm-hmm. and then we get these like weird sci-fi movies like I know that it's not trying to be Star Wars, but it's like maybe they were like, oh, we've had success with these like zany animal movies mm-hmm. uh, that could almost like maybe could be like a sitcom pitch. Like we've got this very smart guy and this very like silly animal, but then they throw the sci-fi element in. Um, it's not great. I, I, I don't know. So, the cat's official name was Zunar J5, but for somehow, he was nicknamed Jake by the lovable buffoon Kenberry, mm-hmm. who we last saw in the forgettable Herbie Reloaded. No, not Reloaded. Herbie Rides Again. I forgot that he was in that one. <laughs> Uh, I was thinking Million Dollar Duck, because isn't he the husband? No, the husband is actually, um... Oh, it was Dean Jones, wasn't it? Yeah, I was about to say, that, ah. that that's the better Herbie guy. I don't... I, wow. That... Maybe you should fire me, because, like, I've had in my mind that it was him and Sandy Duncan again, like, oh, they're back for a different, um, a different premise. But, like, still weird animals. Actually, I think it would have been better if Dean Jones would have been in it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Dean Jones made some stinkers. But I, overall, I think he's more likable. So maybe you're right. Um, And by stinkers, are we talking about the Million Dollar Duck? Yes. Okay. And um, the snowy mountain one. (laughs) Which is still the number one downloaded podcast. And I have no clue how that happened. So, and I don't even know the name of the movie. It was so forgettable. Yeah, I just remember Snow and Dean Jones. Snow Dean Jones. If you if you want to know what we're talking about, <laughs> just go on to whatever. Uh, yeah, you can tell how much we love this movie because we're already trying to direct you to better movies. <laughs> Let's talk about everything but the cow. Yes. Yes. So, I I started laughing when the military showed up and the general started delegating to the corporal. The corporal delegated down. And it was like, it got filtered down just like typical bureau- bureaucracy to the low man on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. And so, that was a running gag throughout. And every time that it happened, I laughed. And did you actually notice... What Harry Morgan had as a patch on his shoulder? No. Cerberus. A three-headed dog. Oh. Well, I see it now. But that's not like... Why would he have that? I, I don't know. That... That's such a tiny detail. Like, he, I didn't even look. I was just like, oh, he's a general. Look at those... Look at those, those stars. Yeah. 
But yeah, for some reason, the dog people were trying to get the cat. And I paused it when I first saw it. I was like, no, that couldn't be. But yeah, three-headed dog Cerberus on his shoulder. So kind of makes you wonder what he was actually working on to be delegated to outer space duty. Was he, was that his whole job? Or did I, I was like, did, how did they stumble upon this? I, if it showed, I missed it. I just knew like that he landed on a farm and the, like the farmer looked mm. like he was from like 1840 instead of the seventies, which made me laugh. Cause that was yeah. just how he was styled. Um, but then all of a sudden the military's there. Well, I, uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure because it doesn't really explain it in the synopsis. And I was trying, like the first ten minutes of the movie, I was trying to figure out wh- when the cat actually would show up. Because mm-hmm. because you, you saw this cute little spaceship drop down, and I automatically started thinking batteries not included. Much better movie. And then suddenly the government starts taking over, and they haul away the broken down spaceship and then they decide that they're going to farm out what's going on to a bunch of eggheads for mm-hmm. lack of a better term and I'm sorry if anybody is a intellectual that is listening to this podcast I apologize it was not meant as a derogatory comment they're just um, scientists because yes. um, they want to figure out what makes what makes it tick is what they keep saying um, mayonnaise yeah, I laughed um, when they first deliver the um, what do they call it? The spinning like gem shaped thing that the is spinning like, avocado of death. Yeah, whatever that thing was called. Um, when they present it to the scientists, like one of them is um, he's like on the phone and he's like, "Oh, I'm relaying important information to a colleague," and it turns out that he's like talking to his bookie. Yeah, he's, like, making sports bets, which, mm-hmm. like, made me laugh so much. I I should have realized it was foreshadowing, because um, a lot of the rest of the movie involves sports betting, which is, I don't know, it was kind of, like, a weird yeah. thing to include, I thought. Yeah. And, and this was another big-name guy at the time that I think was actually on MASH with Harry Morgan, which may be how he actually got into this role. Because that was the guy's name was Link, mm-hmm. and to say that he had a gambling problem may be an understatement of all times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you 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 get, you get all these smart people, and you got him sitting on the phone talking to his boss. Which I mean, you don't know how much he was in for, so it could have been his boss. And then Roddy McDowell gets kicked out of the um, meeting. And we're like, okay, where is that going? And then they try to portray Sandy Duncan as a smart girl, which I I never actually got what her official title was or what she was doing. Um, okay, I don't have it in my notes, and so I don't remember. But I was like so excited that they like gave her something else to do. It didn't make her an idiot or a uh, secretary. Yeah, or a secretary. But so I was like, ooh, yay. Like, they let her be a scientist. Like, let. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> like, 
Andy Duncan is a scientist in this movie. Like, that's awesome. Like, a lady in STEM in the 70s, it's probably kind of unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they treat her like like a woman, in the, like the lady in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was irritating. It's like, oh, she's in there. She's like, oh, I think there is one other lady in the room with her, but, like, we don't. Mm-hmm. ever see or hear her name um but they are just treating her like she's still an idiot and not like a scientist who belongs there yeah i found that, I found that annoying but not surprising for the 70s and the thing is if we were to try to put this up against the Bechtel test which i don't know why i'm bringing up the Bechtel test in the 70s because no movie ever did that the Bechtel test you have two women who speak to each other for more than just high and by, I think. Yeah. They actually have to have like a meaningful conversation. And you have Sandy Duncan and this other, other lady opposite sides of the room, never talk to each other, Mm-mm. never interact. So you, you failed the Bechtel test. Yeah. Well, and I think that um, her character's name is Liz. Like, Liz mm-hmm. is the only woman in the entire movie that I noticed, except for that one lady mm-hmm. that is... I mean, she blends in with the rest of the suits in the room, so you almost don't even notice her. Yeah. So, so somehow this thing is farmed out, for lack of a better term, to the ERL, which automatically I started started thinking about Jet Propulsion Laboratory. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, so they're going to try to figure out how the thing works. Makes sense. Because government might have a contract with them, get them to make a million more of these little avocados with mayonnaise. And so they start trying to figure it out. And Liz says, oh, well, there's this guy that that I ride to work with. But, yeah, I, I ride. And she kind of plays it off. And so they get him in there, and he starts looking at the avocado. Of- he, like, instantly <laughs> figures it out. Well, I don't think he figured it out, but he was he he made a joke that pretty much made everybody laugh at Liz because she's, he's like, well, obviously she doesn't know anything because she brought in this guy that thought that the thing ran on mayonnaise, and so both of them get shooed out of the room. And meanwhile, Jake Zunar J Five, whatever you want to call him, slips in unnoticed, unnoticed by thirty people. In the room. Just hanging out in yeah, a chair. Just, just hanging out in the chair. And then wherever they go, he goes. And so, of course, he's going to follow the two main characters out. And he jumps in and starts looking at the board. And we find out that Frank, who is Ken Berry, is actually fairly intelligent, obviously. Because he's got a Doc McBrown or Doc Brown coffee maker. Which you put in what you want, and this was like probably well before you could go to the um. How my brain blank. Cafeteria. No, well, well, yeah, the cafeteria, but the actual vending machine—that's the word I was. Where you put in that you want a lot of cream, a lot of sugar, in with your coffee, and then it made it for you, perfect. And so obviously he had figured out that he's figured out a lot of other things. He's got a planetarium up above him. Well, not a planetarium, but a, a solar system. And 
Jake jumps in through the window and starts looking around. And it's obvious from the very beginning that Ken likes Liz, or I'm sorry, Jake Frank likes Liz. But he can't show that because they're both professionals. And you kind of see that this is also going to be a love story because every Disney movie has to have a love story. I wish they hadn't done that. I wish they would have made her, like, or portrayed her as the capable, Mm -hmm. like, smart woman that she obviously is. Um, Instead, like... It was an improvement from Million Dollar Doug, like a vast improvement. But still, it's like they still made her like they made fun of her. They belittled her. Um, And then they later in the movie, she becomes like the damsel in distress Mm -hmm. and um, like kind of bumbling scaredy cat, pun intended. Um, Oh, God. You said you weren't going to do any more. That that's the last one, I think. That's the last. I didn't plan it. Listen, it just happens. Um. So, yeah, like I could have done without the love story. I wish they would have like portrayed her as a strong female character, mm-hmm. um, and then not had to have like some romantic tension between them. Yeah. But um, somewhere in there. Jake starts talking to Frank. Mm-hmm. And Frank starts thinking that he's lost his mind. Mm-hmm. As you are known to do. And this is where we find out that cats evolved on this other planet. And they didn't need to go any further than cats. Because cats are the ultimate people. Yeah. I So, mm-hmm, I like the explanation and then him getting Jake home... Um, was fun, I guess. Uh, like having Jake loose in the world instead of in a lab. Yeah. Was better, I thought. Um, but then like so much of the rest of the movie takes place in Frank's like living room. Lots more sports talk. Um, he figures out that Jake's collar, or Jake teaches him how to use his collar to like levitate and mm-hmm. like explains how it works. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so so we see that Frank has the hots for Liz, as I said, and inadvertently asks her out and then has to cancel the dinner because they live in the same apartment complex. And it's because Jake has some kind of allergies. And so... Frank starts feeding Jake and feeds him chopped kidney. I missed, I guess I missed that part. Well, is that why they have to call the vet or whatever? Actually, I think they, well, no, they, they had to call, they called the vet. Well, okay. Twice Jake feigns a sneezing attack because he's trying to get Frank to go work with him because he's got 36 hours on earth to. He wants to he get back is, to the ship. Yeah, he gets back. He wants to get back to the mothership. So we all, so we see where this is progressing, but we know that it's going to get slowed down because obviously with Disney you have to have a love interest in the '70s. So, um, so Frank starts levitating 
Link comes in because there was some kind of game on or something. Mm-hmm. And then, oh no, that's actually later on. That was a second time because the reason why they go to they go to ERL find out that the reason why the ship isn't working is because it needs six cubits of org twelve, which is one hundred and twenty thousand dollars worth of gold. Right, I forgot about that. That like they realize like oh that's what this needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the um, idea they had to like this is how we're gonna get the money. Yeah, we're, like you're gonna manipulate all of the things that we're betting on so that we can win all this money. Yeah, and so when when Jake and Frank get to the place that the ship is. There's nobody actually guarding the inside, and there's one man with a dog who gets frozen for 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, because Jake can, like, do that somehow. Yeah, and that's the only guard that is anywhere in a top-secret laboratory that, and I mean, I'm probably overthinking it, because that's what we do on this show. (laughs) But, so... Roddy McDowell's character's name is Stallwood. He's following him because he thinks that something's up. And this is where we find out that he's the henchman for the bad guys. He's not the actual bad guy. Mm -hmm. And so he follows him in and crawls down and sees Frank levitating on top. And they find out what's going on with the ship. And they get out. And this is where all heck breaks loose. Yeah, on the return. A big chase scene. Yeah. Just love it. It's like they just always go on too long. There's another one later too. Um there was one part, I think it was during this chase, that made me laugh that like for some reason oh, there's two callers. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they always carry a spare. Yeah. And for some reason Jake doesn't have his on. Maybe I'm misremembering, but like one of the military guys is holding the other collar and Jake like jumps through it and says, excuse me, like jumps into it, not through it. Well, actually, the way that that happened, and and I don't know why I remember that, is because Frank and Jake get pursued by some part of the military, which I have no clue how they didn't get seen coming in other than by the one guy and then when they were going out they only get stopped when they're almost back to the gate yeah which he then like levitates himself over or jake levitates over yeah which which was which was a steven spielberg et bike jump Mm -hmm. but when the one guy that actually saw him takes off he they tumble into a trash can and i think that's where the collar actually comes off Okay. So that, yeah, so that I, was I, the, that was the original collar. I think Frank put the backup inside of the ship because you don't want to leave a backup laying around or. Yeah, I I couldn't remember how he like came out of the collar, but like I laughed out loud when he jumped back into mm-hmm. it, like and took it back from the guy that was holding it. Like, thanks or excuse me or whatever he says. Yeah. And so they come home and they start trying to figure out how to make. $120,000. And Link comes in because he wants to watch football and his wife was wanting to watch the opera, I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> and so 
they they start watching and this is where Frank gets a smart idea that Jake can start manipulating things and it kind of made me wonder how far does the telekinesis actually work for I know it works through the TV it works through the TV and it works across the country and it was just really weird yeah I mean sometimes that's nice if you like want a certain team to like there's times when I'm like this is an audio podcast and no one knows, but where I'm like wanting to move the ball with my hand on the TV screen. Yeah. And so this is the second time that Liz shows up because Frank had blown off their dinner reservation the night before. And now she had shown up for a picnic lunch and Jake's sneezing again, because he's got more important things to do than worry about it. A woman who has an attractive cat to him. Oh, yeah. He was, like, instantly all about this. Like, hey, baby. Yeah. And so, of course, we're going to have the, the backup love story with this. The, I, I don't remember if it was, maybe it was this part, or maybe it was when she first pops into the apartment. Um, but Jake makes a comment that, like, I was like, whoa, I can't believe they put that in a Disney movie because uh, I, I don't remember exactly what it is. But he like Frank is like, oh, come on now. And he's like, hey, I've been in a spaceship for five months. He's like wanting okay, to get so, lady. So I'm actually glad that I wasn't the only one that thought that there was an innuendo made by. No, I, I, that like I, I was paying attention, actually. So it's not like. <laughs> That caught my attention, um, but I was like, it completely caught me off guard. I like was like, what? Because that's like borderline dirty yeah. Disney movie in the seventies. Yeah, in the seventies. So fast forward to Sunday, where they're trying to win all three games and. Frank's trying to get Liz out and inadvertently tells her to go get the vet because of Jake's sneezing fit. And the vet comes down, gives Jake a shot. Jake's knocked out. And suddenly they're losing the third game of the trifecta, which somehow they had figured out a way to actually make $120,000 in one afternoon watching three football. Yeah, I was like... I don't know. I thought this was weird. And also it was at this point that I realized I was not even halfway through the movie. It's like, what else could possibly happen in the next like hour? There's still almost an hour left of the movie. It's like, oh, what? don't worry. We'll tell you what happens in the next oh, hour of this movie. Man. I just, it went on too long. So when they're trying to win the trifecta, Stallwood shows up. Well, actually, let me let me rewind a little bit. Stallwood shows up. Somehow, I have no clue how he found out where Frank lived. Unless he just went into records and found the address. And he has himself a little video camera that he's recording. Um, Jake levitating Link. And so he skedaddles off. And we don't know what's going on other than the fact that he's working for somebody. Yeah, which at this point, I think it's weird that we haven't met the big bad of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, man, 
if it would have just been Jake and Frank and like their goofy friends in a race against time mm-hmm. to like get away from the government, that yeah. would have been enough. I could have done without the like mustache twisty villain like Mr. Olympus or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that that was not necessary. Like all I got out of that whole side plot was like a moment of joy when I realized that Roddy McDowell was in the movie and then it was all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward back, the cat's out cold, they're losing the they're losing the third game. They're trying to figure out how to get out of the bet. And it's Liz, Frank, Link, and a sleeping Jake going to the pool shark's place. And trying to figure out a way to make the money. And Liz pulls out this big, huge wad of cash, which is her rainy day mad money. And it's only like $300. I'm like, so she had 300 ones in there? Or what was going on? And so they put that together and they start trying to figure out how to make the $120,000 again. And they go up against the pool shark, who... Pretty much wipes them out because Frank can't remember how to use the um, collar to move the pool balls to get it all to work. And the the cat's just asleep on Link's lap. And Link's crying. Jake's crying. Frank's crying. Liz is crying. And then somebody orders a... Some kind of a sandwich with extra onion. And Jake wakes up. And so they start trying to figure out how to... I think they had 60 bucks or something. Some crazy puny little amount. And somehow the bookie gives them odds that makes them just 120000 Because he has to bring out the big bundle. And it was giving the pool sharks 12 balls... Sandy Duncan's blind or blindfolded. The pool shark gets the break. And I mean, it was all these variables that would only work against him if the cat was awake. Yeah. Well, and like some of the way that the ball moves is so obvious that they should have been like, they're cheating. Something's wrong here. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if they didn't figure out what it was, it just was. I don't know. The pool scene should have been fun to watch, but I didn't think like it went on too long. And it was like, I'm pretty sure we've seen similar tricks, mm-hmm. like visual tricks, special effects, whatever. Like, I didn't need this. And the movie didn't need this. Yeah. But regardless, they make their money and somehow they find a place where you can buy $120,000 worth of gold. On a Sunday. It was probably um, like the refinery where they took the duck eggs. Exactly. Because, I mean, everything's interconnected in the Disney world. And Sandy Duncan's like, hey, remember me? I was in, I was here a few years ago, gave you all a bunch of duck eggs. I need to buy those. No, this this Sandy Duncan character is too smart. So th- there's, she's uh, <laughs> that lady's doppelganger if they're in the same universe. Um. Yeah, it just, it went on too long, blah, blah, blah. They get the gold. Um, And then we get, like, a super extent. It's not really a chase. There is a chase, but 
I don't know. It just seemed like so much filler. Yeah. And so the way that the cats have worked is they've found this way to manipulate molecules so that things work better. And so we get this $120,000 worth of gold basically changed into a gold cigarette. I can't think of any better way without being more adult about it. And y'all can probably figure out where I'm going with it. It was and, a cylinder, cylindrical piece of gold. <laughs> yes, there we go. A cylindrical piece of gold. And they zoom in so the cat and the gold aren't in the picture at the same time. So you don't have to worry about, well, how does this work? And meanwhile, we fast forward back to Harry Morgan. And he's trying to figure out who's working with this extraterrestrial. And it pops up a cat. Definitely a cat. And he's like, wait, what? And they've got this guy that looks a little bit like Tim Conway, enough to make you do a double take, working as the um, guy that they've got watching Frank's place. I actually did do a double take, because I thought it was him. I did too. It's like, oh, that would have, I mean, I don't know if it would have made the movie better, but it would have been fun to see him. Uh Oh, man, I don't remember what I was going to say. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, I just, again, I think I I might have already said this, but I thought it was kind of stupid that we don't even meet Mr. Olympus and the rest of the Roddy McDowell gang um, until there's only 30 minutes left. And I think we're still supposed to care about his, like, evil motivations. We're going to take over the world with this and make all the money. Yeah. Um, and once again, it's more or less the plot from Escape from Witch Mountain. Mm-hmm. Or re- I'm sorry, Return to Witch Mountain. Reworked with them trying to get the necklace off the cat. So, or the, I'm sorry, the collar off the cat so they can rule the world. Yeah. Just. And, yeah, that, that was pretty much shoehorned in. I felt that was put in at the very and to make you give a care. Yeah, I I wish that they would have just left the government as the like antagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I mean we do get to see Harry Morgan like humiliated at like his character is this stoic tough guy general or whatever and then he is humbled by being like for he's in his skivvies basically because um frank has stolen his uniform that kind of made me laugh i mean it but it's just because it's him he's just like so funny and his voice is so commanding and then to see him like in this kind of silly shirt and and funny boxers just i mean it's yeah. fine just because it's because it's him and so we're running out of time they need to get jake back to his ship and so, yeah, the the military busts in, gets frozen, and Frank rolls out in the general's outfit, which somehow fits him perfectly. Yeah, even though he's, like, two feet taller. Yeah, and so he goes, he, he and Jake go to where the spaceship is, and then we come back to Harry Morgan standing in his skivvies and the weird shirt. And the next thing we know, Harry Morgan comes out in a perfectly manicured 
outfit and one of his people is in a robe who yeah. is a foot taller than he is. And like, and just bigger in general. It's so funny. Like, I kind of forgot about this part. Like, that is funny. And it, it needed something like this. Like I said, this wasn't a bad movie, but it wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah. And like most of the jokes fell flat, but like just the situation. Um, and again, I really think it's funny just because it's him. Yeah. And so they take off after Frank and nobody asks Frank for ID. They just say general and just wave him on through. Yeah. Well, cause he's in the official clothing. Yeah. And so this is where Mr. Olympus or whatever his name was comes in, kidnaps Liz and she becomes a damsel in distress. Yes. Oh, and Link has to let Frank know that unless they give Mr. Olympus the collar off of Jake, then Liz is going to die. And once again, okay, why? Once again, why was this shoehorned in? Yeah. And so Jake's getting ready to take off. He hops in the spaceship. Spaceship takes off, and we're thinking that he's gone. And they just have to figure it out on their own. And the next thing you know, he hops up in the Jeep and he's like, let's go, guys. Yeah, he wants to save the lady cat. Yeah. What's her name? Lula Bell? Lucy we'll Bell? Go, we'll go with that, yeah. Yeah, it starts with an L. I probably have it written down. And so now we get into the real important part of the movie. Because this is the only thing that, that really matters about it. So <laughs> they, they're supposed to... To meet at Daly's Airport, which is actually run by Ma and Pa Daly. And the Mr. Olympus is out in a chopper. And he's got Liz and his cronies in their, in their chopper. And, of course, this doesn't happen. They, they don't do the switch. They don't do the swap. And so they start thinking about how they're going to kill Liz because there can't be any loose ends and so they just start flying off and jake invents vertical liftoff in 1978 in an old crop duster that is literally falling apart yeah um i wouldn't have wanted to get in this plane even if it was being magically propelled by a cat with a fancy collar um <laughs> and a light-up collar at that uh, it just looked really unsafe i mean the propeller was, like, broken or something. Yeah. Uh, this, like, airplane-slash-helicopter chase scene, like many Disney chase scenes, just went on too long. I was like, why are there still 15 minutes left in this movie? <laughs> like, it hasn't even been an hour. It's only been an hour and a half. And I'm like, it should have ended by now. Yeah. Um, and so... Big Bad starts trying to force down, and I'm using that term very gently and very sarcastically because they're trying to force down the old rickety plane that somehow stays aloft, and all that you see is just the top of the, or the um, blades of the chopper going bump. And I know this is an audio medium, but it's like very gently touches and then takes off. Yeah. Comes back like three or four times, and that's all that you see, and they're trying to force down the plane. I mean, if you're going to take a plane out, 
hit it with something that will knock off something. Yeah. So that way Jake can't control it. Well, but then Disney would have figured out a way to have it flying with no wings or something. But Yeah, well, I mean, because it's not, it's because Jake is flying it. Yeah. So uh, it's it's not so much the fact that it's a rickety old piece of junk than that it's a magical piece of junk. Yes. <laughs> um it just I I think this was supposed to be exciting and funny and it was really neither. Um mm-hmm. I mean they flipped the plane upside down. Um Frank's legs are like sticking out of the top when it flips back over. Mm-hmm. Um so Eventually, the, like, Olympus, Roddy McDowell, whoever, they all, like, eject. And then it's like, oh, no, who's flying the helicopter? Nobody. But Liz is still in there. Um, This is where it got funny, but it's not supposed to be funny. Oh, I thought thought you said, I thought you were getting ready to say this is where the movie jumped off the cliff. (laughs) I wish it would have. Uh, (laughs) But, like... I laughed so much and this is supposed to be dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's so obvious that both cats are fake in different shots of these like final mm-hmm. ones, especially Lucy bell. Um, clearly just like a block of wood wrapped, wrapped in white fur to look like a cat. It was literally stiff as a board. Um, Poor Sandy Duncan was doing her best to, like, act this out, and it just was not good. Yeah, so we got, like, ten minutes left in the movie, and somehow the chopper stays aloft with nobody flying it for, like, four minutes. Or just long enough for Frank to rescue Liz and Lucy Bell, and suddenly Jake doesn't care about anything except Lucy Bell again. Yeah, like so, he's supposed to be flying the plane. And so then we finally get to the best ending of a movie yet because they end with Boss Hog having Jake lead in the Pledge of Allegiance. And all patriotic people said yay. <laughs> because the movie was over and because he had Boss Hog in a second Disney movie. You know what? <laughs> I don't know anything about, um, well, okay. I know some things about, um, what it, like the process of becoming a naturalized citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, do they fast track Jake and do they, um, this is one thing I don't know and I apologize for my ignorance, but like, do they say the pledge of allegiance at these ceremonies? I, I think they do. Because when you become an American citizen, I believe that's actually like part of, and she's looking it up as we speak, I think that is actually like the final step. Because you have to pass a test, and there's like three or four steps. So yeah, obviously he got fast-tracked, or we don't know how long down the road this was. Uh, yeah, we do, sorry to interrupt you. We don't know how long it was. It seemed really soon. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an Oath of Allegiance. It is not the same as the Pledge of oh, Allegiance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, now we know that. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so, as Jake is led in the Pledge of Allegiance, Boss Hog gets levitated off of his 
bench. And he's lifted into the heavens with his arms raised wide. And we see the two words that both of us were looking forward to for an hour and 44 minutes. The end. (laughs) The end. Like, I don't remember... But the only thing that could have made the levitation better, because as he's got his arms outstretched like so gloriously, mm-hmm. is if like some patriotic music had played behind him. Um, like, and I'm thinking of like when Sam the Eagle gives a speech and the music is behind him. I wish that would have happened here. Like, it would have made it more fun. But it's and, not a puppet movie. And I think we just got our outro for this episode. We're going to have to go find Sam the American Eagle. And have him saying something patriotic. Oh, I welcome it. That would be more entertaining than this entire movie. Yeah. I don't have much else to say. I just... It was a movie with a cat. And it was about 45 minutes too long. Like, it could have been an hour-long TV thing. I mean, it could have been an hour and a half and it would have been much better because if you think, well, I mean, let me see. We had the plane chase scene, which was about 10 minutes. And then we had the reason why Roddy McDowell was in this movie, which is about 10 minutes. So that's about, yeah, about an hour and 25 hour, hour and a half. Yeah. If you have have to have him in there, but then you leave it, open for a sequel and we're knowing that Disney is starting to make sequels so I wouldn't see why they wouldn't have just left Roddy as a henchman but not really told you why he was doing what he was doing and then we could have had the cat from outer space 2 return to space or whatever actually um hang on I don't remember where I read this I think it was the like Disney like fandom wiki but um, this, there was supposed to be a sequel in the form of a television series, mm. um, but it was canceled while it was in production. Oh, so so th- this was things that happened prior to COVID. Yeah. Um, let's see. The Magical World of Disney, The Cat from Outer Space Part 2 TV episode. Hmm. Um, I guess it was supposed to be a series and then they made it into like a two part, like special presentation or something. Mm. Oh, wait, no, nope. That's not even right. I'm looking at the wrong thing. They like cut the movie to be a two part. Oh, okay. Where did I see that? I think it was the Disney fandom wiki. Um, I don't know if this is like true or not, but it does say that this movie was supposed to get a sequel in the form of a TV series, but was canceled during production. Okay. So, womp womp. Oh, uh, that's probably for the best. Yeah. Well, the only things that I've got is that there were so many cat puns in this movie, because so it's like to find the cat or to find the rat, tail the cat. You rub my fur, I'll rub yours. There was like three or four others that I didn't even write down during the course of the movie just because I was like, oh, good God. Um, <laughs> somehow Liz is a black belt in some type of um, 
karate or something, but we never got to see her actually kick some booty. It's because she's a lady. Uh, was that what it was? Okay. Um, just trying to. Oh, okay. One big point of contention that I had with this movie, when Jake first reveals himself to Frank as being smarter than the average cat, mm-hmm. he starts playing the. Um, string instrument. I'm okay with that. But then suddenly there's a flute that starts playing music. And where does the wind come from to make the flute actually play the music? <laughs> He's moving it with his mind. So he has mind wind? <laughs> I honestly was like, I didn't even notice. I mean, I noticed the <laughs> flute. It did, None of that occurred to me because I was like, oh, okay. I didn't have my thinking cap on. I've got two more things. When they started trying to make the $120,000 out of whatever, 62 or $63 or whatever it was, and Jake starts moving the cue ball, mm-hmm. the, big, or the bookie comes over and puts his finger on the cue ball like it is a football that has to be held because of a strong wind. For an extra point. I'm just like, okay, if you're dealing with something that can move the ball, wouldn't that still, wouldn't the ball still move? <laughs> yeah, again, there's a lot of little things like that that just didn't make sense. And then my final note that I had was when they rolled the spaceship out, they had it hooked up to a lawnmower. They were pulling it out with a lawnmower. That's funny. I didn't even notice. I just... And I'm just like, okay. I mean, I understand that you put all of your money into the design of the spaceship and to make it look cool, and then you had to put some money into the special effects to get the little gold cylinder made and all that. But you could have at least slapped a cover on the lawnmower to not... Make it look like it's a Briggs and Stratton 1977 model that was mowing the lawn the day before or something. Or made it look like one of those like chunky golf carts that I, yeah. I can never remember what they're called, but in my mind, they're just chunky golf carts. Or like a truck. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it is probably kind of heavy. Yeah. Well, you would think, but we don't know. Well, I kind of feel like I know how the questions are going to go. <laughs> Alright, well then let's go ahead and move on to the important questions. First of all, what is today's impact on this movie? And before you answer, they do have a remake that is supposed to be released on June the 16th of this year to Disney+. Plus. Like a whole remake? Whole remake. Um... Or I saw that on the Wikipedia and you know they'd never lie. Or where where was it? Hold on. Um, I see it on a fandom page. Oh my gosh, that actually makes excited. Me excited. Um, do I want to watch this one again? No. Will I try the next one? Yes. That's. I mean, it's exciting that it's coming out so close to us talking about it. Mhm. Yeah. And so we will probably cover that one in about fifteen years. And we will have totally forgotten about this one and how bad it was. 
Um, Time out. This says it's a Pixar film. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh. So is it like a, a real like remake or is it just sharing a title? I don't know. Oh, this is Cats with an S. I guess we'll find out. Maybe yeah. we can talk about it over the summer. Yeah. I actually do like a, in, a break-in with a new show like we did with like Werewolf by Night and that kind of stuff. Um, all right. So, if this movie was made today, first of all, you would not have a general just rolling in without any kind of ID. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have ERL being recruited. It would have been it would have been taken to Area Fifty One. Yeah, well, and well, and they wouldn't have taken the thing to the lab. They would have brought those scientists in. It would not yeah. have left the secure location. Yeah, there, there, there's a there's a lot of things that may get changed for the Pixar remake or whatever. Um, I mean. I'm kind of looking forward to the remake just to see if they stick to the original plot or if it's going to be totally new and whether or not Jake still loves tuna because he loved tuna and canned kidney. And um, Lucy Bell. It was all about her. Um, I mean, it all comes back to... I mean, so many different things would, would get changed just because of technology and stuff like that like you'd have somebody outside the outside the window with a cell phone yeah. watching him there would have been video of the of the um ship like landing and mm-hmm. the, the farmer probably would have taken pictures or something mm-hmm. um wow i'm think i'm like imagining that play out today, like if they remade it live action. Um, but all I can think of is like uh, 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 cousin Eddie. Oh my gosh, are you talking Independence Day? Well, what's the what's his name? Um. Oh, I feel Quaid. So Randy stupid. Quaid. Yes, like some like maybe not him because I think he's problematic these days. But um, maybe somebody. In like, in that vein, that's what the character should be like. If it's not, I don't know. If it's not somebody more sophisticated, it should be like a character that you would expect him to play. Just like kind of mm-hmm. like nobody's gonna believe them because they're so like out there most of the time, anyways. I think that's yeah. what I'm trying to think of. But Randy Quaid is what came to mind. Yeah. So, um, huh? Actually, I just looked up. Because I was trying to, I was trying to look towards the, um, try to find more on the remake. Mm-hmm. And the army patch is that of Cerberus. It is not ad- identified with any active army unit. Huh. So I'm actually glad that I did find that. Now I'm not finding anything that I found earlier about. It's really making me have a sad. <laughs> All right. Um. Is this movie mirrored in culture? Um, I always want to be like, no. But I think if I thought critically, I could probably find something. Well, about the only thing that I can think of is the the fact that cats now have nice, shiny collars. And I don't know if they glow or not, but that's about the only thing that I could think of. Yeah. Uh, my dog has a 
light up collar. So, but that's not like specific to the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just a thing that happens. All right. So, how does this movie fit into today's society? It doesn't. The end. No, it it really doesn't like. Unless you want to have the whole like people are obsessed with cats on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's there, like Jake is probably the most enjoyable part of the whole movie. Um, in some like if I let myself, I'm like, oh, he kind of reminds me of Binks a little bit mm-hmm. from Hocus Pocus, mm-hmm. but that's not really. Um, that doesn't really answer the question, but it's, I don't know. We still love cats. Cats are funny. Yeah. I think if they if they did do a live action remake of this, it'd probably be all right. Just cut the like weird take over the world guy. Mhm. So if you've stuck around with us for this long, we appreciate you. Um, if this is your favorite movie of all time, write us. Be kind. Rewind. DMP at gmail.com let us know what it is that we're missing or what it is that makes this your favorite movie we will read it on a future episode if you write into us it's come to that part of the show where we have to give you homework and not all movies are good ones not all movies are bad ones some are better than others as you could tell by us talking about how many movies during this one like four or five yeah a lot. But since we mentioned sequels, it's only fitting that next week's movie is a sequel of sorts. It is the 1979 Disney sequel, The Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again, starring Tim Conway, Don Knotts, and Harry Morgan. And that's all that you need to know. So... Come back to us next week and see what we think about this. Until we talk, it's time to stay safe, stay hungry, and watch out for aliens, because I got nothing this week. That's pretty solid advice. (laughs) Yes. Stay safe, stay hungry, and watch out for aliens. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Welcome to the wonderful world of sports. Sports ball.